So by now, I'm hoping that you've heard about the brand new PodCore subscription that Speech Therapy PD has rolled out. For $79 a month, you get over 175 hours of ASHA continuing education with 19 new episodes a month. That's fantastic. Well, they want to make sure that you also know we have a brand new coupon code. So the coupon code is F as in first, B as in bite followed by the number 20, FB20. And that brand new coupon code will give you $20 off the PodCourse subscription. So you get 175 hours of continuing ed plus an average of 19 new hours a month, all for $59 a year. And we cover everything from early intervention to schools to adults to ethics. So be sure to type in F as in first, B as in bite, and then the number's 20. Enjoy your coupon, or as my kin folks say, enjoy that coupon. Hi, folks, and welcome to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional a speech therapy podcast sponsored by speechtherapypd.com. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC, SLP, CLC, the all things PEDS SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, here in Town, South Carolina and I guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically complex and fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light, hope, knowledge, and joy to the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate. By way of a nerdy conversation, so there's plenty of laughter too. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, ethics on how to run a private practice, pediatric dysphagia to clinical supervision, and all other topics in the world of pediatric speech pathology. Our goal is to bring evidence-based practice straight to you by interviewing subject matter experts to break down the communication barriers so that we can access the knowledge of their fields. Or, as a close friend says, to build the bridge. By bringing other professionals and experts in our field together, we hope to spark advocacy joy and passion for continuing to grow and advance care for our little ones. Every fourth episode, I join in. I'm Erin Forward, MSP, CCC, SLP, the Yankee by way of Rochester, New York transplant who actually inspired this journey. I bring a different perspective, that of a newish clinician with experience in early intervention, pediatric acute care, and nonprofit pediatric outpatient settings. So sit back, relax, and watch out for all our squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Hello, everybody. Today, I have the most fabulous treat for First Bite, and I am truly honored and humbled by the blessing that is this next hour. All right, so let me give a little bit of a backstory. A while ago, my sweet friend, Sarah Brashears, aka Short and Sweet Speech from the Instagram world, she reached out and asked me to volunteer with the Dysphagia Outreach Project. I said yes immediately, but I told her I needed a moment to catch my breath and wrap up edits on Chasing the Swallow. And most importantly, ponder what I could do to shine Dysphagia Outreach Project's light. I seriously gave it a lot of thought. What can I do to spread the word to the world about what this phenomenal nonprofit has to offer our patients of all ages, their caregivers, and our fellow colleagues? Well, late one night, maybe kind of truth be told, like wicked early one morning, I thought it through. I can share their mission with the world through my Blue Yeti microphone. That's my superpower. That's my contribution. So ta-da. Y'all, like I messaged Sarah back. Honestly, it was probably like 5.45 in the morning because I couldn't wait any longer. Thank you, ADD. And this idea bloomed into fruition. Here we are today. So let me lay it out. 
In honor of Dysphagia Awareness Month, the Dysphagia Outreach Project has pulled some of their phenomenal leaders together to share their knowledge with the world in hopes of raising awareness about dysphagia across the life continuum, as well as raising awareness regarding the dynamic work that Dysphagia Outreach Project does every day for individuals of all ages with dysphagia. And y'all, they're going to do that through a podcast mini-series. I have the honor of interviewing women that are steeped in evidence-based practice in their respective areas of concentration, and each episode is dedicated to just one topic, such as NICU, craniofacial disorders, CVAs, neurodegenerative dysphagia, and the list goes on. Y'all, this June will serve as an inspiration and a gift to countless folks for years to come. And I am thrilled to play my small, joyful, comedic sidekick part. But that gets us back today. Today, we get to find out the history of the Dysphagia Outreach Project and how it even came to be in the first place. Y'all, I'm like sitting at the Council of Elders, like all the wise folks in the room, and I'm like, my heart's racing, so huzzah. Without further ado, please allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, hang tight. There's a lot of them. And I'm thinking that when each person gets their chance to share why they volunteer, that they will also have a moment to share their area of focus too, and why they're compelled to be here, why this is in their hearts, because Every single person here is a volunteer. No one receives income for Dysphagia Outreach Project. Every one of their volunteers on this board being interviewed today just gives freely. All right, so the guest lineup includes Ali Materis, Amanda Weisberg, Allison Ware, Jessica Lasky, Hillary Cooper, and Michelle Coffero. I got it right, right? Did I get everybody? Yep, you got us. Yeah. Yay. Okay, perfect. Okay, so Hillary, let's start with you, ma'am. Take us from the top. Wasn't this your idea originally? So, yes, it actually was. And it kind of all started, you know, I'm an adult dysphagia um, focused SLP. And I live in Louisiana. And I had a private practice where I was contracting with a home health company and I, and an outpatient as well. And I noticed that a lot of my patients were being discharged from the hospitals with orders for thickened liquids or pureed foods and didn't have the supplies that they needed to be able to be successful with those diets in the home environment, whether it was affording thickener or even things like blenders. And I found myself doing what any number of us, like I've asked thousands at this point of SLPs, how many times you've purchased things out of your own pocket for patients. And we've all done it. So I was also, you know, one of those people who started carrying, you know, food choppers and blenders in my trunk because it was such a common occurrence for me to have to give them to patients because they couldn't blend their diet. So I started looking around to see if there was a local food bank or any other organization that could provide these things that our patients needed, they kind of fell between the cracks. And what I found was a big giant nothing, that there was no resources out there for these patients who could not afford the materials they needed to be safe at home. So I went to Teresa Richards Inner Circle (laughs) Leadership Academy event, and I got the courage to speak this vision out loud in front of a group of just phenomenal, amazing leaders in our field. And when I said it out loud, everybody was so excited and they jumped up and down and we literally just like the energy in the room was like static and it was just amazing. And that's how the Dysphagia Outreach Project was born. So I brought on Jessica Lasky and Michelle Cafaro as my sidekicks to help get the really grueling part of the incorporation and and all of that background work. And then we together, the three of us put together a phenomenal board, which is just, it boggles my mind how much talent we have in our organization. And, you know, as we've grown, we've brought on additional volunteers and, you know, we have various teams and such, and, you know, it's just continued to grow from there. That's absolutely amazing because, I mean, how many times professionally or in our day-to-day walks do we see a problem and you're like, you take note of it, but you just you truck on, right? And my dad, I am my father's child, except I get my mustache wax. Otherwise I would look just like him. 
But he said, if you're going <laughs> to fuss about a problem with one breath in the next, you have to work to resolve it. All right. That's the G rated version of what my father says. But you did that. You recognized, you processed, and y'all were able to create a solution that is literally changing people's stars across the country. So thank you. Holy well, cats. absolutely. And thank I think you. it's for a long time, I, you know, I had this idea rattling around in my head for a long time before that Inner Circle Leadership Academy meeting. And it was one of those things where I thought it was too big for me to do alone. And what I realized was that I was one thousand percent correct that it was absolutely way too big for me to do alone. And the only way to make it happen was to bring in amazing people who were just as passionate about that problem and that cause as I was. And that is something that I think is probably the best thing I've ever done in my career is, you know, aside from all of the businesses and everything else, this is like the thing that you know, it doesn't pay me any money, but I, it brings me more satisfaction and joy than anything else because of the team and the people that we've brought into it and the amazing friends that I've made through this process and how much passion they see the same problem and they bring their passion into it. And every single volunteer that adds their energy, just like you to this cause makes it even bigger and better. And I think that that just humbles me and it's a wonderful thing to watch grow. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, wait. All right. So Michelle, Jessica, I'm assuming that y'all were in the inner circle. I don't know what the inner circle is. I honestly, up until meeting y'all, and I've met Teresa Richards. I was on, I did a PFD podcast episode with her, but I really thought it was all adult SLPs. I didn't know that they had anything to do with peds. How wrong was I? But were y'all there when she spoke this into the universe? What did y'all think? Yeah, so I actually Michelle Cafaro. I met Jessica. Yeah, hi, met Jessica and Hillary on social media virtually through Teresa Richard. Probably back in two thousand, the end of two thousand seventeen, the beginning of two thousand eighteen. I was doing this timeline here, so I I knew we were getting on this podcast. I'm like, wow, you know, it actually (laughs) seems like forever ago, but in reality, two thousand and eighteen, two thousand nineteen wasn't too long ago at all. That long? Yeah. I met Hillary in person in July of 2018. We were in uh, Chicago for a CEU event. And Hillary and I, we shared a hotel room. And that's when she started talking to me about this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm her sounding board right now. Like, okay, Hills, like I hear you, but you're right. I do have a trunk full of supplies that I'm getting for all of my patients to fulfill their needs. So you know, after that CEU event, we went home, we kept in touch, and she kept talking to me about this vision that she had. And then we met again in person at this inner circle. And that was February of 2019. And I think Hills, as she said, she was so inspired by the event, what was all taking place. And she slept on it that night. And she woke up the next day and she's like, you know what, Michelle, like, I'm surrounded by so much positivity and just, she's like, I'm ready to share my idea. I'm ready to share this vision and I want to roll with it. And so that's when it really started to kind of come to fruition. And it was then again, when was that May of 2019 is when I met Jessica and Hillary at another event that Teresa was hosting. And the three of us got together and then with Jessica's innovative mind and all of our minds together, we were just like, Jessica's like, let's throw in this education component and this journal club. Let's do this. Enough talk. Like, let's actually make <laughs> this happen. And that's when we started actually file for the 5013C was probably what would you guys say? Middle end of 2019? Mm-hmm. It was certainly a process getting incorporated in Louisiana and then applying for our 501c3 as well. And we got that just March of 2020. So we haven't really been around very long, but we've grown tremendously because of all the support behind this mission. So you're telling me that this was officially founded as a nonprofit right as the pandemic decimated everybody's access to all of their supplies to the normal resource route, which we all know is very, very limited on a good day. But how amazing is it that like God laid that all out right then and there? Also, I think it's interesting. It's the same week we got our 501c3 
approved was the same Mm -hmm. week that my fees business shut down because of the pandemic briefly. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it was just a, an up and down kind of roller coaster week in knowing that the dysphagia outreach project was moving forward in such a good mission. And the need was so intense with the pandemic is what mentally kept me sane through the initial part of the pandemic during the initial lockdown, you know, where I was, there were so many questions about, you know, is my business going to survive? Am I going to, you know, go financially into ruin? Am I going to get sick and die? Am I going to lose family members and all of these things and helping throw, you know, the hours that I would normally throw into my business, I threw them into the dysphagia outreach project. Jessica and Michelle did the same thing. The three of us just poured our energy into the dysphagia outreach project during that period of time. And it just exploded. That's amazing. I honestly, I feel kind of guilty. Like I single-handedly caused the pandemic because I managed to on Friday, March 13th of 2020, get my husband to go to a ballet with me. And I'm pretty sure hell froze over and that's what caused everything and (laughs) carried that burden on my shoulders for a really long time. But it was a really good ballet. And then we went home and that was, that, that was our last outing. And it took nine years of marriage, but we made it. <laughs> Sorry, comedic, but true. Okay. All right. So you guys spoke this in. Now, Jessica, they referenced you as being the person that put the dream on paper and growing it. So where did you come into this mix? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think all three of us, we had this idea. Hillary had the distinct, like she knew exactly where she wanted to go with this. And then I think my role and what I'm really good at is kind of sitting us and stopping us and thinking of things more methodically of like, okay, what are the first steps? How do we map this out? And then I was like, well, if we're going to do this food bank and we're going to do all this outreach, like you have to educate people, you know, you have to provide education to families, to patients and to all of our colleagues. And so that was kind of my big role within this was I wanted to make sure that we weren't leaving out the educating and the advocacy component of this mission because we wanted to provide items and things that, you know, funny enough, we all have these stories of like, I have like, you know, 10 EMST devices just like sitting right beside me and all these different things. Like, you know, we, of like things that we give to our patients. But then, you know, something that can be sorely lacking is accessible education that is Mm -hmm. given to patients, families, caregivers, and even our colleagues at a level that is useful for them and in a manner that is useful for them. So that was, I think, one of my big contributions was, you know, really kind of focusing on that end of it. And then Michelle was our rock star and agreed to really step up and help do a lot with the food bank. Actually, she is the person that actually ships everything out to everybody all around the country. And, you know, Hillary had the vision and the fortitude to go ahead and actually get the whole company put together and make sure that, you know, we were doing things by the book, so to speak, and Mm -hmm. we weren't just kind of running different directions. Okay. Wait, can y'all talk me through the food bank? Because (laughs) wait, oh my God, holy crap. I got so many questions. Okay. So the food bank, I'm imagining like a dream come true warehouse somewhere in like Kansas. That's just like, cause Kansas to me is centrally located. And that's pretty much, I've been to Topeka beyond that. I don't know much. And Wichita. I think I've been to Wichita, not hundred percent sure, but I'm imagining this giant warehouse filled with everything from maroon spoons to real food blends to Dr. Brown's bottles to like transitional savories crackers to like what's in the warehouse. (laughs) You're not far off. I'm going to actually let Michelle talk about this one because she has the magical warehouse. Yes. Where is it? Is it in Kansas? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much what you said, but located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, it's cold there, sweetheart. (laughs) Yes, you're right. You never know. Last week we had some snow. Right now it's 75 degrees. So you really (laughs) really don't know what you're going to get. Okay, there's a reason I'm in South Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, Cincinnati, they call it the tropics of Ohio because it tends to be the warmer part. You never know what you're going to (laughs) get. Okay. So we kind of nailed that. It is cold. So what we have to do with our warehouse is I am VP of operations. So my biggest responsibility 
is kind of seeing the behind the scenes of the food bank. So in our warehouse, again, I make sure that everything that we do receive product-wise is, you know, we're able to use it. We don't accept anything that is previously used. So I closely look at packages, look at the expiration date. We have to track inventory Mm -hmm. very, very closely. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So those who don't know much about the food bank, what we do is we provide tangible assistance to low-income individuals. So that is thickeners, pre-modified foods, therapy tools, oral care supplies, adaptive equipment. So we have a large, we have a good, good amount of inventory right now, and we are constantly growing. And again, as previously mentioned, we started at the beginning of 2020, and it has been incredible the amount of donations that we have received as far as some products. So I think it's interesting that in 2020, when we started, the food bank was initially a shelf in my office. And we grew, gosh, when did we switch it over to you, Michelle? We grew pretty quickly to where I was like, oh, no, this is too big. They want to ship us pallets of stuff. And I don't have room for pallets in my <laughs> office anymore. <laughs> I will have no place to sit. Um, so when did we ship it all over to you and shift it? I think we started the shift the beginning of the summer. So June, July, and then officially everything was kind of in my possession in Cincinnati, Ohio, come September, October. Wow. So that quick. And I think mm-hmm. it's a testament. Again, I can cannot say it enough. It's people who hear our cause, see what we're doing. And they just, you know, see the need. We all see the need. If you treat dysphagia, you see this need. And, you know, it resonates so strongly with SLPs and families who are in need. And in the midst of the pandemic, when other nonprofits were shutting down, we exploded in growth. And I don't anticipate that that's going to change at all as we, you know, continue to help people. So, you know, what Michelle's doing over there in the the warehouse in Cincinnati is just phenomenal. She, it, it always gives me chills when she sends pictures and videos of walkthroughs of where all the product is. And, you know, when we receive, you know, a pallet of thickener from Simply Thick, or, you know, we ordered boxes and pallets of supplies to be able to ship things out and just to be able to say, oh my gosh, we have a warehouse. That's, you know, thankfully we have a wonderful donor who's donating us the space and that's phenomenal. And so we're beyond Everything that we do is because of donors. It's because of people giving to us. We're not purchasing, except in rare occasions, things for our recipients. These are things that are given to us freely by, you know, different manufacturers and companies. And, you know, they hear our cause and they're like, oh my gosh, there's such a need for that. So, and then SLP send us stuff all the time. We have received things from oh gosh, you know, sweet family members who've lost someone who had thickener left over and they sent us the thickener and those just, you know, we could receive pallets in those little packages with, you know, a heartfelt letter saying that, you know, my loved one passed away and can't use this anymore. So I donated it to you guys. Those, those just, they get me every time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right in the heart. Okay. So unsolicited idea, I would think it would be really, really wicked cool at ASHA this year if you guys were to have like an event night, like a ticketed event night, because, and I mean, you could do it as like a donate this or we're in need of this kind of thing. And then I don't know, dinner, drinks and meet DOP. Like that would be so now I don't know how you're going to transport it from Washington, D.C. to Cincinnati, (laughs) but I'm just putting that in the universe. Maybe somebody rent like a U-Haul truck and like or get one donated. I'm sure we can donate somebody somewhere listening. is like I will donate you a U-Haul truck. Please, please do. But like that would be so much fun to have that opportunity to like. I'd love to get to meet y'all in like person. I mean, I'm vaccinated well, I and I'm a hugger. <laughs> if anyone out there is listening and feels called to help us donate, you know, to make something like that happen, we would be glad. We do try our best to keep the majority of our funds towards the cause. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that our board would necessarily approve us just having wine and dinner. <laughs> Well, it could be a BYOB thing. We could do it that way. We would be happy to to do something like that. Absolutely. We we try to be really conscientious stewards of the donations that are given to us. That's awesome. 
Well, I second a BYOB and a donation kind of thing somewhere. Um, yes. Also, I happen to know my husband and I ran away to Washington, D.C. for our honeymoon because we are that nerdy and hit up all of our favorite museums. They have the International Spy Museum, which is fantastic. So everybody that's going to D.C. in November, you can like they'll, they'll turn you into a spy like in costume. It's wonderful. It's perfect. Okay. All right. So we have all of those donations. Now, is there like an application process that the SLP has to go through or is it something that the patient has to fill out in order to be a recipient? Yeah. So it is right now online on our website and there is an application process. And again, it has to be online. And this is for tracking purposes. We have an incredible team. Our director of operations has developed this amazing platform. But once you do apply online, there is some criteria that you do have to make sure that you do fill out. And we need to have some supporting evidence. You do have to have a diagnosis of dysphagia from a medical professional. And once the application is filled out online, we do get alerted and our team then processes that application. So they contact that recipient. So it can be an SLP. We do have multiple SLPs who fill out the application for a recipient. We have doctors filling out this application, family members filling out this application. So anybody can. But once the application is filled out, we do contact that recipient because we need to confirm who they are, where to ship this product to their house, what their contact information is, and we confirm what that product is that they are requesting. Because sometimes they might accidentally request something, but that's not really what they meant. So we have a team that it takes probably a few days of back and forth conversation just to confirm what everything is. And then once everything is approved and all the information is confirmed, I then ship out that product from the warehouse. Now, generally speaking, we try, depending on what the product is that they're requesting, we try to ship out at least a month's worth of product in the event that it is pre-modified foods or thickeners, and as well as an oral care kit. So every recipient also gets an oral care kit. Because we know how important that oral hygiene is in preventing aspiration pneumonia development. So we educate our recipients in that. Absolutely. So we have pediatric and adult oral care kits that we send out. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. How did I honestly, like, I just found, I feel like I just found, I mean, I know y'all are like newer, like within the last year, but I feel like I just found out about y'all last fall. And I was practicing under this misinformation that it was adults only, but Hillary, when you and I had a conversation earlier, it blew my mind that you were saying that, what is it like, most of the first requests were from peds? So yes, and Michelle can can give us more of the current numbers, but I when we started it, we anticipated a strong adult need. And the reality of what actually happened was that <laughs> all of these adult SLPs created an organization that serves approximately 90% peds. As you're saying, like it blows your mind with this, you know, working with adults and we don't you know, do anything with peds, you know, all of that. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, it's totally has opened and broadened my horizons mm-hmm. with pediatrics. Like mm-hmm. all our recipients for give or take, we have about 115 and literally 90 of them are pediatrics. So we are constantly, we have amazing, I can't speak enough about our pediatric team and our SLPs and their expertise we have pulled them into helping us process our applications because the pediatric recipients that we are getting is just, we are inundated. Okay. So can I put another thought into the universe? Cause I feel like this is a safe space. Like we're all like buddies. So here's my thought. One thing that I regularly, and I know Allison's on here and Allison's also peds, but I feel like one of the pieces that I run into all the time is a lot of my patients have, when they get the diagnosis of celiac disease, there's a huge misconception as to what celiac disease is. And people think going gluten-free is like a fad diet. It's not a fad diet. And right now at a national level, SNAP and WIC don't necessarily approve gluten-free options. So that significantly 
prohibits what our patients that have a PFD and have a comorbidity of celiac disease have access to when they have lower socioeconomic status. So here's my thought process that can't be fixed at a state level. Trust me, I tried. I found out it's a federal policy. So maybe with like the advocacy outreach branch, we could partner with a couple other associations. I say we, I'm just like throwing all of this out there to get that fixed because like that's a problem. That's a huge problem where we don't have a policy that jives with current best medical practice. And I know there will be a lag time, but we have to fix that. And absolutely. And that's what Jessica Lasky's team is, you know, so I'll defer that to her to respond, but that's what the education team or the side of the organization is doing is, uh, you know, working on addressing some of those issues and raising awareness of them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, pediatric feeding disorders, because I am an adult speech pathologist, I'm learning as I go. And thank God I have the best people around me that know so much. It's every day we have people that'll reach out to us with you know, like you said, they have different diagnoses and there's not a lot of support out there within the communities to help these children. Celiac is a great example, or even just, you know, the babies that are coming out of the NICU and they're very misinformed on how to give their baby nutrition and how to thicken and what to thicken with and all of those different things. And so we're because we are still in our kind of infancy of advocacy and putting out education, we're starting by making a lot of educational handouts that will help parents advocate for what they need and have the words that they need to be able to use to speak to their physicians and to speak to other people to advocate for their children to get what they need. Our end goal is eventually to go into sort of advocating at more of that legislation level. But Mm -hmm. right now we figured the quickest way is to help parents have the words and have the education to know how to advocate for their children. Because when we have parents reach out, like, this is a systemic issue, but they're just not necessarily given the best education within yes. hospital or they're overwhelmed. Yes. And then they come out and they're like, oh my gosh, I have this tiny, tiny human that I need to give sustenance to. And I have no idea how to do that. And it was funny. I went down a rabbit hole a few months ago and I pretended like I was a parent with a child coming out of the NICU and I went to look for education. And I spent about five hours and I was at the end of the day, I was like crying and texting one of the women, Kristen West. And I was like, there's nothing. If I was a mom, there's nothing for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's where we started. And actually, we're getting ready to launch a whole host of handouts for parents to help them figure out how to advocate for their babies. That's amazing. That's Thank y'all. Cause that, yeah. Also the internet can take you to dark, scary places. So like it, beware, it needs a giant warning label every time you log in. So yes, there is it's that. terrifying. I kept sending links and I'm like, is this a thing? And Kristen would be like, no, please get off that website. And I'm like, I'm sorry, yes. but I Googled this and this is where it took me. Uh-huh. I'm just on behalf of evidence-based practitioners. Somebody throw a tomato at me if you must. Food does not <laughs> vibrate, nor is it plastic. So I'm just going to go ahead and speak call it what it is. So, and trust me, I have done a significant amount of coursework, journal articles, and put out a few things on my own time to back that up. So again, I reiterate, food does not vibrate and it's not plastic. And I'm quoting the one and only goddess that is Sherry Fraker of food chaining. So don't (laughs) die. Done. Okay. Soapbox done. Oh my God. There's so many freaking soapboxes. Okay. All right. Well, we have some other amazing dynamic leaders that serve on your board. I mean, like this is literally like a who's who of the world of dysphagia on the call. And I'm like, ah, um, so thank you. But like, let's transition. So Miss Allie Materis, are you also located in Cincinnati? Because I feel like Ohio is a happening place right now. And what is your role on the board, ma'am? It is a happening place. Hey, everybody. I'm Ali Materis. I am a New Jersey-based speech pathologist. So not too far from okay. Ohio. 
For Director of Dysphagia Outreach Project, I serve as the Director of Fundraising. So right now, I lead two groups. I lead the online events team, and we help spread awareness and raise funds via digital platforms. So some people listening today, they may know of us from our annual giving event that we put on each November. And then I also had the corporate outreach team. So we make connections with like-minded organizations and companies so that we can pull together resources to help as many people with dysphagia as possible. And I'm always looking for volunteers and donors. So definitely hit me up if any of that sounds interesting to you. So how did I get involved with Dysphagia Outreach Project? Yes. And do you, wait, I want to know, are you peds or adults oh, or yes. both? So I am an acute care-based speech pathologist. So I typically, well, all the time, <laughs> I always see adults. And especially in my mobile fees business, I see patients in the sniff all the time. So definitely adult-based. I feel like this is like the, I scope you and I'm on the inner circle club here because like all you people do the scopes and like, I'm like, nope, there's too many boogers in there. I ain't going nowhere near that. <laughs> so, oh, hang out, sorry. hang out with us long enough, Michelle, and we're going to scope you. <laughs> no, you can't be okay. in this crowd with wine and not get scoped. It's like, it's like a rite of passage. It has to happen. No, I literally did that. One of my girlfriends went and took, is it Langmore? No, it's not yeah. Langmore. It's Langmore who does the fees. Yeah. She took Langmore's class and she came back and she goes, Michelle, I need noses. I need to practice because my hand shakes when I get nervous. I was like, I will phone friends and have wine and you can scope. And we did at the house. And that's how we turned out that like I broke my nose waiting tables at Ruby Tuesdays because I had a plate full Somebody went to Ruby Tuesdays and ordered hot tea. People, we don't do this. This is a stupid decision. <laughs> but I kicked the door open. The door bounced off the lady's butt because she was bent over on the other side of the door and I didn't know it. And the door flew back and shattered my nose. So my nose is crooked because I broke it on a door on a lady's butt, but I didn't break the teacup. I kept on to the tea. So kudos to me. Yeah, priority. What's called burn me, but yes, but there we go. They were scoping in wine, and that's how they were like, "Ooh, you really need to get your nose redone." I was like, "Yeah, no, it's good, we're good." But um, yes, we can repeat it on the other side. How about that? I'm sorry, squirrel. Okay, back to you, Miss Allie. So you too are a fees person, yes. inpatient, acute adult. I, I love that fees right, initiation so story, Michelle. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so why did I get involved in Dysphagia Outreach Project? So at the time of the start of Dysphagia Outreach Project, I was working full-time in a skilled nursing facility. We actually had great resources there, particularly for physical therapy and occupational therapy, their equipment, their beautiful gym, their home exercise programs and outpatient therapy, all those things. But they offered very, very little resources for people with dysphagia, especially once they left our skilled nursing facility. So that led to years and years of multiple readmissions, with the primary diagnosis being, you know, aspiration pneumonia, dehydration, malnutrition. I felt so guilty. I felt that something had to be done. I just did not know what I could do as just an individual speech pathologist with patients with tons of needs. So at that point, Hillary approached me to work with Dysphagia Outreach Project. Once the whole concept was explained to me, I thought, wow, this is the answer. This is how we're going to provide meaningful assistance to people with dysphagia. Since then, I felt really very fulfilled and I feel so good being able to give that tangible and reliable resource to suggest to people who are constantly, I'm finding, in need. So that's how I started in with Dysphagia Outreach Project. And I do, if we have time, I do have a little success story as of late. Is this a good time to start? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> So I now, I spoke about my sniff days. I now work at a local hospital part-time. I've worked there for about a year and a half now. Like clockwork, about every three months, a particular patient is readmitted with malnutrition and dehydration. 
Now he is a head and neck cancer survivor. He has lots of comorbidities. Because of this case history, every time he's readmitted, I advocate for a modified barium swallow study so that we can see everything that's going on. So thankfully, each time, there isn't much of a change in swallow kinematics, but he still prefers to consume primarily pureed foods, just from a comfort perspective. So during my patient interview with him, and keep in mind, this is probably the fourth one in about a year, I realized that my patient didn't have the tools that he needed to actually prepare the pureed foods at home. So here I was in the hospital encouraging a pureed diet per his preference, of course, but completely glazing over the fact that this patient didn't have the resources that he needed to maintain his nutrition at home. So a few months ago, Dysphagia Outreach Project was able to send him a Nutribullet because he, you know, fit the application description, sent in his application. And you know what? I haven't seen him back in the hospital in several, several months. I'm knocking on wood. Um, (laughs) I actually called him this week to check up on him and he sounded so strong and so happy. And he said that he was finally able to provide himself with the nutrition that he needed because of the materials, the Nutribullet provided by Dysphagia Outreach Project. So that was a huge success story that directly impacted a member of my community. And that is why I give my time to this organization. But that's why we do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm the queen of overshare, but every single night we say the exact same prayer. Put us where you want us. Give us insight and understanding as to why we are there. Strength and endurance to do the job that we have been called to oh, do. Like clockwork. Right? Yeah. But that's it. And like, y'all are the living embodiment of that. And that's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> so. I'm going to cry. Thank you. Okay. All right. Wait, there's a song. Thank you. Next. Aaron would kill me because I probably butchered it. But like, I do remember, I think that's about boyfriends, but like, this is not maybe a breakup. I don't know. (laughs) Oh yeah. No. Okay. I know Metallica, Dropkick Murphys and Casting Crowns. So like not. (laughs) (laughs) That's embarrassing. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. Like we could go to offspring. I mean, I can rock out someone. Wow. I'm definitely a child of the nineties. One day my children will find my embarrassing high school pictures of mommy with electric blue mohawk, but like today is not that day. Okay. Before I embarrass myself further, Amanda, hello, dear friend. How are you? Amanda Weisberg. Hello. (laughs) Hello. And you know, it's so funny because, of course, now you're segueing to the Millennial Meta SLP with that statement. So. <laughs> Wait, so you know who Ariana Grande is then, I assume, because she has the big ponytail, right? It's part is of my her? job description now, yes, with this twist back <laughs> ponytail. Oh my God, I love it. um, My name is Amanda Weisberg. I'm so happy to be here and thank you for having us too. I'm an acute care SLP in Los Angeles, but in freaking four weeks, I'm moving to Dallas. So I don't know my left from my right right now or what is up and down. So that's currently where I am in life. But I am so happy to say that I am the Instagram team captain within the public relations team. I work directly under Sarah shares who you mentioned earlier and together we have a team for Instagram to you know utilize that platform for social media. Yes. Wait, I just have to give you a shout out. You made a <laughs> post a couple weeks ago that also y'all if you don't follow her it's at millennial med slp. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, you said something that was accurate. And it was and I'm paraphrasing here because it was a very heartfelt post. It boiled down to the gist of we're putting information out, but again, trust, but verify. And remember Mm -hmm. that this is not advice that's to be given lightly and it's not to replace medical advice, but it was just the succinct and joyful way that you delivered the message. That was what stuck with me. Thank you. That was very nice. Also, I love it when you share pictures of your little one. (laughs) (laughs) was was that a fair synopsis I mean was that okay that was okay right (laughs) yeah yeah no definitely and it's funny you know even within DOP I see the values that I'm gaining within you know this organization 
blending Mm -hmm. into my own life. And so I feel like even Mm -hmm. over the past, you know, months or since September, since I've been a part of it, it's kind of grown into now shining through who I am. So Mm -hmm. I did, you know, mention to, you know, you post things on your personal accounts, right? That when you're younger, you would only approve if your mom could see it, you know, <laughs> it's like, I can post this if my mom can see it. And I had said too, don't post something that you wouldn't want your patient's mom to see, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> so yes. just being sensitive to that. And, you know, through DOP's Instagram too, it's, the family, the patient, the caregiver, that is who we're trying to reach or trying to reach other SLPs in order to have that word of mouth to the family caregiver and patient. So being sensitive and delivering information in that digestible way. And, you know, I first got exposed to the existence of DOP last year through social media and the MedSLP Collective. And immediately I just fell in love with the mission and the idea was clearly blossoming, you know, in front of my eyes to assist these patients. And I kept seeing it grow. And in September, Casey Lewis had reached out to me, you know, slid into my DMs. And (laughs) (laughs) that sounds so dirty. I'm sorry. I'm so old. I am of the generation that like, yo, we didn't have a cell phone. Your parents didn't know if you were out in the field dying from liquor poisoning when I was in high school. So like, (laughs) ta-da. No, 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 no. It's much different now. Like, for instance, I slide into Jessica's DMs all the time showing her fees things to help me. So uh, (laughs) they're my favorite pictures. (laughs) That is so delightfully nerdy at the same time. So well played. It's, it's there. hilarious. Well played. I sent her, I sent Jessica a picture of a really wonderful nasal polyp the other day. And I said, meet my new friend. <laughs> His name is Fred. It's really oh all I God. want in life nope. is people to send me fees pictures. It just makes my life so much happier. But if anybody were to ever look at my phone, they'd <laughs> think there was something very wrong with me. No, I get patients' parents that send me pictures of their kids' bowel movements, and we discuss the <laughs> Bristol Myers squibs or just whatever it is, the poop schedule. And I'm like, what? But nose polyp, not my thing, y'all. I mean, I'm good with nasal turbinates, but nope. Oh my God. Well, okay. I got to be honest, though. That's also how I found out about DOP or like it first showed up because it started showing up on my um, Instagram account in between round boys. I don't know if anybody follows round boys. They are fluffy, fuzzy animals of a spherical shape. It's a great Instagram account. (laughs) But yes, there was DOP right there after round boys. And y'all have really, I mean, it's wow. The presence has changed dramatically over the last couple of months and it's beautiful and it's uplifting. Thank you. Yeah. Also, it's aesthetically pleasing. I like the color pattern. I, I do appreciate <laughs> the symmetry in the color pattern. Sarah and I are really trying to work hard on that. So I appreciate the small detail shout out. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was funny too. So when like Casey asked me and I'm pretty sure I responded to her in all caps, like, I would love to like, wait, who am I? <laughs> what are you talking about? But, you know, it was nice to be identified that, hey, I have this skill, which I never thought could be carried into the SLP world. But if I can use social media and kind of my creativity and that component to give back and serve my patients, not only in my direct community, but around the country, then, you know, of course. And I had joined a call before joining with Casey and Jessica, and it was just apparent, you know, their passion and dedication and drive and everything the women had. And I just felt honored to be included. You know, like I said, within our Instagram, we really just want to provide this information to be digestible. And, you know, as I mentioned before, like you go on Google, you know, let's say you're a parent trying to find this information. It's like enough with the fancy words or glazing over things or, you know, not touching on everything that's going to be you know, happening in the sequence of events, but we know we can help break that down for them. And it's also just wonderful too, to see from the time I started in September and now we're here in, you know, May and that it's just grown exponentially, the team in and of itself and, you know, just to better serve the needs of the community. So, you know, it's really had an impact on my own life and I try my own too, to, donate as much as I can on my personal side of things, you know, and I would do that unrelated whether I was part of the team or not, but to be part of it and help put kind of my stamp on it is just a blessing. Yes. 
That's exactly. And I have to say that I am just, I have been so blown away by the work that our public relations team has done and getting the message across. Jessica has been a great leader on that side. And, you know, she's been just a fantastic visionary and the work that Amanda and Sarah and everybody on the team has done has, has just, it's beautiful. Like you said before, it's absolutely beautiful. And it's funny if you go back in your DMs, Amanda, you hear on there, like, how do you do a quiz on Instagram? (laughs) 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 So Um, this is why we brought in people who knew how to do that stuff versus me doing it. Because heaven forbid, if they had the Instagram in my hands, it would be a disaster. (laughs) Yeah, no, my sweet friend, Annalise Nicolatis, she does my social media and for first bite and like, she was like, Michelle, you need to do a hashtag. And I was like, well, the hell's a hashtag do pardon my French, but I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. And she was like, Oh my God, just give me your phone. So like she ended up taking it over because like, it's one variable that I'm 38. I'm on the cusp between being a millennial and a, what is it? A gen Xer, but I'm like that microcosm between and it's too much. I don't understand. Like the first time I heard slid into a DM, I was like, is that a venereal disease? Do we need a vaccine? <laughs> like what is happening right now? <laughs> so, like, I mean, that apparently was the wrong response, but like, I don't like the tick of the talk. I'm out, dude. But I do enjoy watching a great tick of the talk. But I mean, normally it's like the funny, fuzzy animals, but I mean, you know, this is, I'm showing my age. I'm apparently an inner 80-year-old woman in a 38-year-old body. I don't know. My kneecap thinks I'm also 80. But like, so yes, yes, Amanda and Sarah, we appreciate your contributions to the world of Instagram. I'm sorry. I'll behave now. I, You know, I have to also, you know, put a really big shout out to Casey Lewis here too, because she also spends so much time and energy and effort helping lead these teams. Because while I have a vision of what I want to go out into the public. I'm exactly like you, Michelle. Like if I had to run my own social media accounts, like there would be pictures of probably lots of cats. Well, there's those anyways, and not much else because I know nothing. And so, you know, Casey was doing our social media pretty exclusively. And then, you know, we clearly needed to help and we needed to grow because this company has just flourished. And, you know, I can't think... Amanda and Allison and Sarah and everybody that just gives these endless hours and amounts of energy and they use their creative minds together. And it's amazing to see what we can accomplish when we all come together for just one collective goal. And I just, I can't thank any of these ladies enough. And the story Allie told a few minutes ago about the gentleman with head and neck cancer, I was like over here muting my microphone because I was about to start like crying because like this organization started out with us, you know, I think about like the conversations I had with Hillary and Michelle, and I would have never have foreseen the amount of amazing things we've been able to accomplish in a year and a half. And I just, you know, I want to take this moment to just thank all of you guys from the very bottom of my heart for everything that you do every day, because there's so many people that have been left behind that fewer of them are getting left behind because of that. And I really appreciate yes. you. Yes, absolutely. Well, the last guest of the day, I actually know because of the world of PFD. So Miss Allison Ware, <laughs> AKA Allison Smith, she was actually a guest on First Bite back in September. Allison, it was September 2020, right? Yes, yes. ma'am. Yes, because you are in our world of EI. So hello, <laughs> you're now a married lady. And yes. wait, I just completely blanked on where you're from. Austin, Texas. Texas. Yes, yes, there it is. Yes, keep it weird. That's the logo. This is the memory. <laughs> yes, I connected the dots. Huzzah, it's been a long day, folks. But hi, I'm so happy that you're part of DOP. That makes my, like, the world of EI is so misunderstood. And we're so much more than playing with toys and bringing in bags of stuff. And so you're putting evidence into our little world there. And that makes my heart happy. So, yay. What do you do with DOP? Tell us all the things. Yeah. So I am the Facebook manager for DOP. I got involved with it originally because I saw a need for this mission in my area. I had a similar experience to Hillary where 
Children were recommended thickener, but they weren't able to access it because of costs or insurance delays, insurance not sending enough product. I'm sure you see this as well, Michelle, or kids living out in the middle of nowhere and FedEx or Amazon can't find their address. So then they just keep on driving. It's a whole thing. Or another issue I was seeing where kids were being recommended inappropriate thickeners for their age or Mm -hmm. what was attempting to be thickened because, you know, we love our pediatricians, but sometimes they don't know all the things and that's okay. No, that's, what, no, they that's what we're here for. So I had families using rice cereal to thicken breast milk, which mm-hmm. we know doesn't work. Or, you know, I had an infant on a cornstarch face thickener. I think I just heard Hillary have a minor stroke whenever I said that. Um, <laughs> no, I remember that when I first met you, you, you reached out and you had a family using yogurt. I believe. Mm -hmm. Was it yogurt as Mm -hmm. a thickener? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the things. I've seen a lot of really innovative ideas and it's not Mm -hmm. because, you know, the family are, you know, not the parents are bad people. They're just misinformed sometimes, or they were told that by a physician or a nurse or someone on Facebook. There's a lot of misinformation out there about pediatric feeding and swallowing, unfortunately, but we're hoping to change that one Facebook post at a time. Love it. So yeah, it's so pretty. (laughs) Y'all I'm on there right now. And I mean, I appreciate the color coding and the schematics and like all of that work that goes behind it. I don't do it, but I can, the aesthetics of it. And it's also functional information. That's so with the color scheme and the logo, I will give a shout out to Michael Kurtz from Design from Scratch Concepts. He helped us develop our, he donated his time to help us develop our logo and our color schemes and everything. So shout out to Mike. Um, again, everything that we do is been donated to us. So including that beautiful, you know, color scheme and logo that we have to the hours that went behind filling it out and making it beautiful. Everything's volunteer. That's amazing. Okay. So Allison, are you selecting content? Like fill me in on those, those micro details. Yeah. So I run the Facebook page and the goal of the DOP Facebook page is to share evidence-based practice by completing literature reviews. So originally back in June, it was just Casey Lewis and I creating all this content. And we realized very quickly that the two of us could not do it all. So our team has grown from two to, I believe, 12 within the last 11 months. But our Facebook team is six amazing SLPs from all over the country. Most of them are adults. So I've been learning a lot about adult dysphagia, which is great. I'm becoming a little more well-rounded. And every week we scour the research and find up-to-date articles that can apply tomorrow to someone's clinical practice. We write a short digestible literature review and we just created a tab on the website where all of our literature reviews will be found. So we just posted our first one on there last week, which is really exciting. And we cover research from birth to end of life to make sure that we're supporting all of our fellow SLPs. That's fantastic. I'm sharing it while we're talking. Look at me multitasking and, and sharing that out. But y'all, they've got everything in there. They've got PFD, head and neck cancer. Now, what is the lives? I sound old just asking that. So do y'all do Facebook? What is a Facebook live? I should backtrack. And is that just like where you have a meeting to discuss the journal articles? What all is this? Yeah, I think Jessica and Amanda, y'all have done those before. So I'll let one of you answer that piece. Yeah. So we do our journal clubs as Facebook Lives. So we will discuss different research articles. Typically, we pick either one article or kind of a theme, and then we'll discuss that. So we've done anywhere from pediatric research up to, you know, adult research. I had a great time. Amanda and I talked about the Yale Swallow Protocol. We've done a lot of different things, actually. And so once a month, we get on and for free, we just go over and go in depth into either, like I said, one piece of literature or a whole theme. 
And we have a really fun time while we do it. You know, we joke around, we talk, we try to be engaging and make learning, again, because that's my passion is, is learning. We try to make it fun because you know, we can all read an article at home, but if you could just sit down in front of your computer and feel like you're just having a girl's night out and, uh, you know, learning something while you're at it, like, why wouldn't you do that? That's how I like to learn. So um, that's what this feels like right now, but I continue. <laughs> exactly. So that's what we do. And then we post them to a lot of the different big Facebook forums so that we can just, again, allow people to go at their own time or their own pace and and rewatch those journal clubs. And then we actually, for Dysphagia Awareness Month, we're going to be doing a webinar where we have the amazing Raquel Garcia coming on, and she's going to talk about pediatric dysphagia head to toe. So it's really interesting. And we like to do a lot of outreach and educational materials that are either completely free or we ask for very small donations for people to go ahead and get that information because that's one of the key missions of the organization is that education shouldn't be hard to access. It should yes. be meaningful. Yes. It should be done in a way that is easy to understand. Yes. You know, we've all been to those conferences where you see the renowned researcher talking and about five minutes in, you're like, oh gosh, I don't understand I'm what done. they're saying. And now I feel yep. awful. And now I just want to go get a glass of wine because I'm just judging all of my life choices. And I clearly something's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, we just really want to make it accessible and fun and easy. And so, and again, it's all a part of that drive to just give back because at the end of the day, if one clinician changes one little piece of how they practice, Think about how many patients we all touch each year. Thousands of patients could benefit from one clinician having learned to do something just a little bit better. And that's what drives my end of this organization and the mission for me is that I can make little micro changes for people and I can just picture how many human beings across the planet are positively impacted by that. I feel this in my soul. That was... So first bite was Erin's idea. She had it when she was my student, like a lifetime ago. And I pitched it to Darla, who's an SLP and she owns Speech Therapy PD. And, you know, that's the purpose. We can make this, yes, it's a CEU, but more importantly, we're putting free evidence-based practice out in a format that everybody can access it because knowledge should be shared. And, oh, the nerve that you just hit with that statement in a good way. But yes, absolutely. Knowledge should be shared. It should not be hoarded. It's not a treasure because we have to remember our code of ethics. At the end of the day, we are called to do no harm. And if we're not continuing to grow, then we're doing harm. So, okay. We have run over but I mean, who are we kidding? We all knew that we were going to do that. So yes, <laughs> yes. To each and every one of you, a heartfelt thank you. Hillary, is there anything else that you want to close this with before I, I give a closing call to action? <laughs> You know, I just would, again, like Jessica said before, I just want to give my most heartfelt thanks to every single person who has seen this vision that I had that we all share and has decided to put their time and effort and energy into helping it grow into something that's bigger than any one of us. And to see it grow is just phenomenal. And it, it just amazes me and it humbles me. And I'm thankful to every single person and every single hour of energy that's gone into this. Thank you. Okay. Y'all, if you're still listening and we haven't made you too much, you had to run for a thing of um, tissues because I did. Here it is. Dysphagia Outreach Project is founded by some of the leaders in our world of dysphagia. And they poured their hearts into a project that is, again, 100% volunteers. All of Dysphagia Outreach Project's board of directors and leaders are unpaid because they recognize, again, that knowledge is a gift that should be shared with the world freely and access to high-quality nourishment and life-giving equipment, whether that be through a tube or orally fed, should not be denied to our patients because of their financial status. Here's the deal, friends. Our world of dysphagia is small. 
Fill it with kindness. Do no harm. Give credit where it is due. Fill each other's cups spiritually, emotionally, and on a Friday night, join a journal club and maybe put a little something that'll bring you a giggle in that cup. But most (laughs) importantly, volunteer. It is through our deeds that our world is made better. So please join me this month in honoring the work that Dysphagia Outreach Project is doing and consider tithing your time and your talents. From all of us today, happy Dysphagia Awareness Month. Feeding Matters guides system-wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance. So what is this alliance? The Alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. So who is the Alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. 